Happy Mother's Day to you out there. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of memories of some of the things my mother used to say to me, many helpful things. And I was thinking today about how when I was in middle school, I went through that middle school phase where, you know, you're a little bit of a smart elk. Can you imagine that? And uh, I remember riding in the car and I kept asking my mother these unanswerable questions, you know. And she kept saying, I don't know, I don't know. And I kept asking her these, these, these questions that had no answer to them. And finally, I, I, answer, I asked her a question, and uh, she responded with an answer that didn't make sense. And, and I thought to myself, what? And I asked it again, and she told me the same thing. And, uh, and I said, that doesn't make sense. And she said to me, you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. <laughs> so, you know, I never asked her another question like that, so... You know, being a mother, you, you have to, sometimes you have to do little tough things like that from time to time, amen? Well, here's some things that, that mom would never say, okay? We all know what mom would say, but here's some things she would never say. How about this? Mom would never say, how on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Never would say that. Or she would never say this, just leave all the lights on, it makes the house look more cheery. Or she would never say, let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. <laughs> or how about this? Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed and walk him every day. And this was one that my mom never said. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Usually the opposite. We don't care what Timmy's mom says, right? Or this, she would never say this. You know, that curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. She would never say this. I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. But she always had a tissue. I might say use your sleeve, but mama wouldn't. And finally, she would never say, don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. Mother's Day, we're here today. Mother's Day, last Mother's Day last year was the last Sunday that we met uh, online only, and then we were back in here uh, the next week, and so it's been almost a year since then. And in Mother's Day, you always wonder a little bit about Mother's Day. Where did it come from? Whose idea was it? Well, uh, there's a woman named Anna Jarvis, and she first suggested this, uh, this national observance of an annual day honoring all mothers because she had loved her own mother so much, and at a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, uh, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, which was her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. And within the next few years, the idea of a day to honor mothers gained popularity, and, and Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities in the United States. And then on May 9, 1914, by an act of Congress, uh, see, it took an act of Congress to get you a day, mothers, you believe that? But by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday is May is Mother's Day. And he established the day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And it, be, it had become customary by that time to wear white carnations to honor departed mothers and red to honor the living. I never knew that, but that's what that is for. And so as we look at today in Scripture, we're looking at the first mother, the, whose name literally means the mother of of all living. We'll be skipping around uh, Louise, we look at Eve's life. So I'm just going to read Genesis 3.20 before we pray. 
Then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship you today on this Mother's Day, we thank you that we do have an opportunity uh, every once a year on a Sunday to honor the mothers, those mothers in our lives, Lord, that have helped us so much. Father, as we look at this passage today, we look at the life of Eve, the first mother. I pray that we would see some passages that maybe we're familiar with, we see it with new eyes, or maybe if we're unfamiliar with them, we see some new truth. Lord, we thank you for your word, how your word is enduring, and how it is completely truthful, and it is beneficial for all of us to look at. Even if we're men or not mothers, we can look at the life of Eve and still see how she put her faith in you, how you used her to bless the nations, Lord. And so as we look at this passage today, Father, I pray that uh, you do fill me with your spirit, that my words are your words today. And, and Lord, we, we pray uh, that you would touch each and every one of us today as we look at the life of Eve and we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to give you four truths of motherhood that we find in the life of Eve. Four truths of motherhood that we find in just a few verses of Eve. Number one, motherhood is designed for women. Now, you shouldn't have to say that, but we, we need, to, we need to, to look at that today. It's designed for women. We see this in Scripture. Genesis 3.20 says this, that the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So we see this connection between being a woman and being a mother. Right? Now all people on earth descend from this same woman, Eve. And in Hebrew, Eve is pronounced Hiva. And Hava means the first woman. So Adam, maybe not the most creative man in the world, when he names Eve, he literally names her the first woman because she was the first woman. You may remember that she was created out of Adam. And he called her a woman, but he knew there would be more women, so she became the first woman, Eve, Hiva. So we see this direct connection between a womanhood and motherhood. Now, while not all women will be mothers for a myriad of different reasons, motherhood is designed by God to be performed by women. God did not design men to be mothers. You know, he designed men to be he designed men to be fathers, all right? So if a man has a child, God designed the man to be a father. So I'm thankful that I'm a father, not because I don't think if I was a woman I couldn't be a mother. God would certainly uh, equip me to do that. But I have a desire to, to, to be fatherly to my children uh, because I'm a man. This almost seems silly to talk about, but, but and it seems common knowledge. But in the current culture we find ourselves in today, declaring that motherhood is reserved for women and, and fatherhood is reserved for, for men is offensive to some sometimes. Some would call it oppressive. Some would call it patriarchal. And all these terms point to essentially the same idea, that, that Christianity, therefore God, is oppressive and should be stopped or silenced. We can't ever lose the truth of God's word. You know, I can see it now. In what case, what right does Adam have to name Eve? Well, the Bible teaches that Adam was created first and he was given the dominion to name every living thing. So he named Eve, given the responsibility for that. 
Now, as cultural norms ebb and flow throughout the years, it's important that we note that motherhood is a gift and responsibility God has given to women. That's number one. Secondly, motherhood includes much joy. Motherhood includes much joy. Genesis 4, check this out. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. So Adam and Eve had these two boys. And if you have two boys, you know that they might be similar in some ways, but different in others. You know, I have a 14-year-old boy and a 2-year-old boy. And there are times where I look at pictures of my 14-year-old boy when he was 2, and he looks just like little Johnny. Little Jackson looks just like little Johnny. And then there's times where they look nothing alike. And there's times where they act similar, and then there are times where they act completely different. And so that's the interesting thing about having multiple children. Sometimes if you have multiple children of the, of the same sex, you can see how they're sim- simultaneously s- similar, but also they can be different. It doesn't matter how many children you have. You can appreciate each aspect of them, and there are different parts of each that will test your faith. You know, there are some times where, you know, if there's something, there's a, there's a joke I want to give or, or, or make to one of my children, I'll, I'll think to myself, which one will appreciate this joke the most? Because, <laughs> you know, depending on what I want to say, one or two of them might just stare at me. But the other two might really laugh, right? And so I think about that. What, what can I do special for this child that I know this child won't like or appreciate? This kind of thing. So you know how it is with, with children. You can appreciate each aspect of them, that there are different parts of each that will also test you. But there's tremendous joy in watching your children grow. That is one of the joys joys of motherhood and as Eve's children grew up and they became different right Abel was a shepherd he kept sheep and this was a dirty job uh, but it wasn't the 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 toughest job in the world Uh, there were times where you had to defend the sheep there were times you had to shear the sheep you had to follow them around it it, it was kind of 24 7 but there would also be times of long interrupted silence or maybe Abel just went and found a, a big tree to sit under in the shade and relax and watch the sheep graze. Uh, there was times, a lot of time, a downtime, right? Could be boring. There was plenty of times to rest. But Cain, however, he worked the ground. That's all it says. He was a worker of the ground. Uh, he probably would have been bored being a shepherd. Maybe why he wasn't a shepherd. Maybe he just one of these guys that like to have constant action, doing something with his hands constantly. Abel's over there just laid back watching sheep graze. Right? You have children that are that different. You know how that is. He probably plowed the land. He, he, he planted things. He, he kept things growing. He, he probably harvested everything. His work probably took place in the hot sun. That's the, that's the thing about working the ground and having a farm. There's no shade can't have shade or nothing will grow. Abel's work probably had these nice trees to sit under and, and, and while the sheep grazed. And I was walking the dog the other day and we always have this nice breeze here usually. This, you know, and, and it's walking and it was hot and then we went in the shade and it was just nice. And I was thinking, you know, that's probably what Abel's life was. And you may or may not the story know the story, but they both had sacrificed uh, and, and had sacrifices they were bringing to the Lord for worship. Because that's what worship is. Worship is sacrificing in many ways and 
They were bringing to the Lord their, their, their portions. And for whatever reason, God knew that Abel's was from the heart and that Cain's wasn't. Now, we don't know why. We don't know the contexts. But Cain just kind of went through the motions and just said, here you go, Lord. And the Lord liked Abel's. He appreciated Abel's. He, he received Abel's more because it's from her heart, his heart. It's the same thing with us. We can be in here on a Sunday morning. We can go through the motions. We can worship God. But if our heart's not in it, God doesn't receive it and bless it the way he would and it is truly from our heart. This is a theme all throughout Scripture that the Bible talks about. Well, Cain saw that Abel's was more accepted than the Lord's, and he got angry. And you may know this story if you've ever been to a child Sunday school class. It's probably been taught or, or whatever it is. And, and, and Cain got angry, and he killed his brother. Killed his brother. And this leads us to number three. Motherhood includes many sufferings motherhood includes many sufferings you know i don't have to remind you that childbirth is called labor it's work right it's, it you'd suffer and my my uh, uh wife has been the mother of four four children and i remember each one and the fourth one that came I, and I, I said you don't ever have to do this again <laughs> i felt bad for her you know pain Suffering, And so uh, it's suffering from the very moment of birth. But even throughout life, there's suffering with children. Look at Genesis 4.16. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Why did he go away? Because he killed his brother. And instead of the whole eye for an eye deal, God gave him grace. And put a special mark on him so that years later nobody would harm him. And sent him away to a different land, exiled him. So Eve, the first mother, also became the first mother to go through the terrible anguish of losing a child. But one thing we forget with this story is that Eve not only lost one son, she lost two. One died, one was exiled, one was sent away to start a new life. And even though Eve undoubtedly never fully got over that pain, her, her life wasn't over. God still had a plan for her life and as well as her, her family's lives. And that's the thing about suffering as a parent or a mother or a father. Your child suffers, you suffer. But that's never, it shouldn't necessarily be the end of the story. Which leads us to number four. Motherhood displays the continued grace of God. Motherhood displays the continued grace of God. Look at Genesis 4.25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called him Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Now, Seth means, the name Seth means the third. Well, the third what? Well, the third son. So every time Eve and Adam would call Seth's name, they were reminded that he wasn't the first he wasn't some replacement son for the sons that she lost. He was the third son. The third. She never forgot her other two children. 
Every time she would say his name, she was reminded, and Seth was reminded, and Adam was reminded. That he was the third. So that suffering, she didn't uh, try to delete it or forget it. But it became a part of who she was and would always be a part of who she was. And motherhood can remind us that we don't need to run from the past pains or failures from the past. That our past sufferings and experiences become a part of who we are. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now the horrible tragedies of Cain and Abel were not God's will. God did not wish for that to happen or will for that to happen, but it did because of something called sin. Adam and Eve were the first sinners and passed it on down to everyone else. And even Cain sinned, and as we see this, as he was angry and sinned and he murdered Abel. But even in our horrible tragedies, even in our terrible sufferings, God's word tells us that God can still work things for good. Still work things for good. In this, time, in this situation, the blessing of Seth. Right? Even in death and exile, God can still bring blessing out of something bad and heartbreaking. Motherhood shows us that every day. Every failure your child has, every heartbreak your child has. Still, there can be blessing from it and grace from it. Verse 26 says this, To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Through Enosh, as people continued to be multiply across the face of the, world, or the land, people had faith in God. They had faith in who he was and what he was doing. Motherhood displays the continued grace of God. I, I like Psalm 128 that we said today where it talked about, may you see your children's children. It's amazing how decision that you've made and God works. You have a child and then you have a grandchild. It's just amazing how God works all those things together and, and, the, and kind of the web that develops over the years. There's a book called Moments for Mothers, and this author wrote about the conflicts of a Scottish family years ago. After years of rebellion, the daughter finally rejected her parents. She rejected their values. She rejected their faith. And she set out on her own to enjoy life without restraints, without rules. But as often happens, she became enslaved to those choices and offered freedom. That's what happens many times. We we have all this freedom, but then we make bad decisions and we become enslaved to those choices. That's what prison is. We have the freedom to break the law, but when we do, we end up in a place where we can't do anything. Years of misery followed as this girl lived on the streets. She sold herself for pennies. She, she depended on rescue missions for survival. Because of her choices and because she wanted to be detached from her family, she didn't know that her father had died. And she didn't know that her mother never quit looking for her. One day she saw a picture that her mom had posted 
and every of the city's homeless shelters. And she was there, and she saw the picture, and it was a picture of her mom. And, and, and written across the bottom of the photo, it said this, I love you still, come home. In wonder and, and disbelief, she set out for her home in hopes that she was indeed still loved. And if you know the story of the prodigal son, it reminds you of this a little bit. And by the time she arrived, it was the middle of the night. She stood on the porch, and she got ready to knock, and she looked down, and the door was open. And, and she, she was concerned that someone had broken in, and so she, she stormed into the house and went back to their mother's bedroom in fear that someone had broken in, and she reached for her mom, and, and the woman awoke quickly, and, and she hugged her mother, and she explained that she was fearful that someone had broken in, and her mother replied, no, dear, from the day you left, that door has never been unlocked. That's the kind of love a mother has for a child. The door has never been unlocked. A mother has that kind of love for her children because a mother is a person. And people are made in the image of God. And God has that kind of love for all people everywhere. And like the woman who deserted her family and lived a life enslaved by her own choices, Scripture says that every person has also turned their back on God. Every person has become enslaved to sin. But God's Word tells us that through Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, that whoever places their faith in Him will be forgiven and will be freed from that life of sin. I'm thankful for my mother and my grandmothers who took me to church every week. I had a drug problem at an early age. I was drugged, every, uh, drugged to church every week. And I learned from people in Sunday school classes, teachers. I, mean, I have memories of sitting in the balcony, seeing my mother in the choir, and I would wave to her and didn't know why she couldn't wave back. Every now and then she'd... had a chance to receive the gospel at an early age. And, so, and I've been in ministry long enough now to know so many children who come to church and hear the gospel because a mom has brought them, because a grandmother has brought them. And they have the choice to hear the gospel. And they, they can receive forgiveness from God the Father. And just like that mother who never locked her door so that the daughter could enter into her house at any point, even into her mom's room, you have a heavenly father who has done the same. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the sacrifice, the Bible says that that veil that separated God from the people in the Old Testament has been torn in two. You have access to God the Father through Jesus. All you have to do is receive Salvation, receive his gospel. The door is cracked. The door is cracked. Jesus unlocked it. All you have to do is enter. Heavenly Father, as we close our time today, we thank you for Jesus who has come, defeated death and sin on the cross. 
and shows us the love, Father, that you have for us, that you have put in the hearts of fathers and mothers everywhere. And when we, the love we have for our children and our grandchildren and our, our nephews, nieces, family, people, things like that, Father, it's a reflection of the love you have for us. And just like almost all mothers would sacrifice their life for their children, that you, Lord, know what that's like. That you sacrificed your life for us to make a way back to your house, to make a way back to your kingdom. And we thank you that the door is open. So, Father, as we leave here today, our hearts would be comforted knowing that we always have that access to you because of Jesus. If there is a person in here today that's never placed their faith in you, that's never opened that door and come in, that they would do so today. Father, that is our prayer today. Lord, we, we, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we close our time together today, Lord, as we close our time in response to you, I pray that you would hear our prayers and they would, they would, they would come up to you and, and, our, and our voices as we sing back to you and a, and a fragrant offering to you as we, as we worship you from our hearts. Lord, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.